This is the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Presentations and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Susanna Toll, Senior Communications Manager of Wetlands International, on global greenhouse gas emissions from peatland. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis Legal Podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Wetlands International is a science-based organization founded in 1995, but tracing its history back to 1954. It provides tools and information to assist governments in the protection of wetlands and works to influence policies, conventions, and treaties, including the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Its most recent report on global greenhouse gas emissions from peatland was launched in November 2009 at the UNFCCC Climate Change Negotiations in Barcelona. Based in the Netherlands, Susanna Toll is Wetlands International's Senior Communications Manager. Your host is Malcolm Dowden, solicitor and environmental law consultant and member of the Lexus Legal Intelligence Team based in the UK. Susanna, the report on peatland emissions was launched during the UNFCCC climate change talks in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. There were a lot of NGOs and pressure groups vying for attention there, but the impact of the Wetlands International report was strong enough to make it the main story taken away from the event by The Economist and other journals. To help us understand that impact, could you please outline the main findings? First of all, we are working on explaining people about the emissions from peatlands already for a very, very long time, and there's a large group following us on that. A lot of countries don't have those figures from peatland emissions themselves, and uh, that's why we are followed and people are listening to when we release new figures on that. So that's why it actually got a lot of attention. We have released the first global CO2 picture of peatlands. Prior, the focus was only on Southeast Asia, and because we released a report in 2006 just for Southeast Asia. And that's why a lot of people thought it was a more Southeast Asian problem. But now we come with this global overview, which shows that it's actually a global problem. And where would be the, like the main culprits? Where are the greatest levels of emissions uh, located? Well, it's actually divided quite a lot all over the world. Indonesia is the largest emitter. They have a total of 500 megatons per year, and that's only from peatland drainage. So it excludes basically emissions from fires. But the EU is actually the, lar- the, the second largest emitter, and that's quite surprising because nobody knew that. So presumably that will affect both the political response and, and a country-by-country response to reducing emissions. Yes, absolutely. And another large emitter is also China, for instance. And, uh, of course, they have relatively large emissions themselves anyway. So compared to that, it may not be a lot. But still, they have 77 megatons per year coming from degradation of peatlands. What is the global scale of this this issue? The global scale of the emissions from drainage-related emissions is 1.3 gigatons. And uh, if you add up peatland fire emissions on that, that's another half a gigaton. And that still excludes emissions from peat extraction and root respiration. Uh, So if you add it all up, you come to a total of about two gigatons. And uh, compared to the uh, global fossil fuel CO2 emissions, it's 6% of, of that. 
6% of emissions from, I think your report said, 0.3% of the land surface of the world. Yes, yes. The, the total peat surface is about 4% of the global land surface. But the areas that are currently emitting, so that are degraded, that's uh, an amount of 0.3% of the global land surface. And this being the, the first report to, to present a global picture, what effect do you expect that to have on responses at regional or national level? Is, is this something that has been factored in in any way before? In the discussion under the Kyoto Protocol, they are now talking about a new policy or new activities basically under LULUCF, that's Land Use, Land Use Change and Forestry Emissions. And because of the attention that we gave to emissions from peatlands, a couple of countries have called to also add wetland management as a new activity in that policy. And of course, that has drawn a lot of attention to what are actually the data, the, the figures on peatland emissions. So there was a call in August in Bonn at the, at the climate conference for data on land use emissions, and we were able to provide the peatland emissions. So now basically there's an overview for each country what their emissions are, and uh, for some it's way more than they expected. And in, in that way it has given a lot of attention to the subject, and it's still on the agenda to be accepted as a new activity to account for. One of the things that I found particularly interesting is, is the treatment of the United States. Your report presents separate figures for Alaska and for the, the lower 48 states. Could, could you explain why that approach was taken? Yes, uh, that is because of geographical and uh, climatic reasons, basically. Peatlands in different climate zones have different emission values. And also for being clear about the global distribution of peatlands, it's clearer when, when you split the figures up in north and south. So in a sense, the, the geographical distribution is more significant than the political structures. Yes, for America, uh, definitely it is. Could you explain the circumstances in which peatlands degrade? What, what causes degradation and, and what would be the most likely remedies? Well, there's a number of causes that cause the, the degradation of peatlands. Uh, you can think of deforestation, of um, degradation for, for agriculture, for instance. There's a lot of agriculture that requires drainage of peatlands. So the moment you start draining peatlands, the carbon that is stored in the soil reacts with oxygen. So basically it decomposes uh, and that leads to the release of CO2 emissions. What you can do about it is restore the peat soil. So that means that you have to re-wet the area and also necessary to re-vegetate the area so that you make a layer of vegetation again on top of the peat soil. And is it the case that once degradation starts, it'll simply carry on? Or is there a limit to the amount of emissions that would stem from drying or degrading peatlands? No, it actually, that's one of the biggest problems, is that once the degradation process starts, so once the area is drained, the drainage actually keeps on going, so the release of emissions too. And that continues until the peat is actually depleted or when the area is restored. And that's a big difference from emissions from deforestation, for instance, because there you cut the forest and most of the emissions are immediate, while with peatland drainage, the emissions are ongoing. So even if you don't do anything, then still the emissions are ongoing. So looking at the, if you like, the remedy, the, the most straightforward 
approach is rewetting and revegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, given the pressure on, on land use, presumably there'd need to be financial incentives or some other legal or regulatory mechanism to either compel or at least encourage that. Where do we stand currently with the global climate change treaties or in any other conventions that bear on this question? Well, at the moment, the emissions from peatlands are not at all addressed, actually, not in industrialized countries and also not in developing countries. There are no incentives to reduce peat emissions. In industrialized countries, I just already mentioned the development of uh, new rules under under the Kyoto Protocol for land use emissions. At the moment, wetland management which is the activity that includes both accounting for emissions from peatland degradation and for reduced emissions from peatland restoration, is not at all included. So there's no incentive to reduce these emissions. There's no accounting of these these emissions. Currently, there is a proposal to add wetland management as a new activity. And there's also proposals to make the emissions from other land uses, like cropland management, grazing land management, a mandatory accounting activity instead of voluntary. Well, that would be a good thing for peatlands because a lot of the other land use activities cause the emissions from peatlands because they're often on peat soils. So when they become mandatory for accounting, then they would also account for the emissions from the soil. But at the moment, it's still voluntary, so there's not yet a requirement or no, no, no commitment, basically, to account for these emissions. So at the moment, it's entirely dependent on uh, voluntary, or I guess private sector, preservation of wetlands. What would you see as the main barriers to those steps being taken? Well, it's a new issue to many negotiators. So there's a lack of knowledge, for instance. So that's why Wetlands International has been advocating the issue, along with a lot of scientific information about, for instance, how emission reductions can be measured, how they can be monitored. There were a couple of doubts also about the related methane emissions when you start rewetting a wetland. So there are a couple of issues that, that are different from the other land uses that come along with wetland management. So we had to explain a lot of issues, and we're still doing that. For developing countries, there are some different challenges. As I explained, Indonesia has a lot of emissions from uh, from peatlands. They have a lot of revenue at the moment from plantations on those areas. And then you have to think of pulpwood, for instance, or palm oil. And, yeah, if there would not be any financial compensation for that, then it would be hard for them to propose to halt those plantations on on these areas. So they are actually looking for international support to address peatlands under a policy like RED. And RED would be what? RED is a policy to reduce emissions from deforestation and degradation for developing countries. And it's a policy that is focused on emission reductions from forests. In, In tropical countries, a lot of peatlands have forest cover. So they're actually forested ecosystems. That's why part of the peatlands could be addressed under RED, but it requires a couple of elements that are not yet addressed under the policy proposal for RED. Um, Wetlands International is advocating to make a policy suitable for also addressing emission reductions from peatlands. 
You know, the climate change negotiations are moving to Copenhagen in December. Do you see any prospect of the peatlands emission issue being adequately addressed in any agreement reached at those talks? Because uh, wetland management is now proposed in the, uh, industrialized countries as a voluntary activity, accounting activity, that's certainly a promising movement. So we hope that that will be accepted, that it will be approved. Wetlands International is calling preferably for mandatory accounting of those emissions. Uh, whether that will happen, that's still a very big question. It could very well be that other land use activities will be mandatory. Well, as I explained, that would be a very good thing because a lot of the soils are under those activities. So there is quite some good hope for that. For the RED policy, a lot depends whether the guidelines from the International Panel of Climate Change, the most recent guidelines will be used because that requires countries to report on also uh, organic carbon soil because that's one of the forest carbon pools. Uh, when less recent guidelines will be used, it focuses on forest cover, so it would not include soil. Well, when these guidelines, the most recent ones, will be adopted, that will be very important for the areas that are still forested areas that are not yet forested anymore because they were deforested before 2008, more or less. For that, I still see a very, very big problem. I think that the red policy should look at not just immediate emissions, but also ongoing emissions. And in that way, uh, perhaps the deforested areas that have ongoing emissions could be included. And for non-forested areas, that's a different challenge. And uh, there are a couple of countries that are calling for a broader red policy. So that also includes other land uses. And that's also with the eye on uh, how do we address emissions from agriculture, for instance. So I see that a lot of other ecosystems that have significant emissions could be addressed under a broader red scope. At the moment, it's not looking very well, but I know that a couple of countries are interested in a broader approach, whether that be over time or already in the near future. That's still a major challenge. And would you see the issue being addressed in a meaningful and engaged way at Copenhagen, or do you think it's likely to be shelved to a subsequent stage? Yeah, I think that the text may allow to put it in later, because at the moment a lot of text is still between brackets, and as long as, for instance, and other land uses is in the scope of the red text and it stays between brackets, then it may be included in a later stage. We're also talking about safeguard language at the moment. Well, it's still not fully negotiated text, so things are still between brackets. And by raising attention to what the current text has for perverse impact on, uh, for instance, the deforested peatland areas in Indonesia. We hope to get a lot more attention still uh, throughout Copenhagen. And uh, perhaps, I, I don't expect there will be a final text in Copenhagen, so we may have half a year more to get all eyes to this issue. And so in, in that period, what plans would Wetlands International have to, to follow up on the impact of the report that you recently published? Well, we need to uh, raise more awareness of the uh, new report uh, so that people know that it's not just a Southeast Asian problem but also a global problem. We are getting considerable attention from other NGOs, uh, so uh, they are often supporting our issue. Yeah, it requires to uh, talk to specific countries that have a special interest in the issue, 
of course, we have already been doing that for the past three years, and it has been a very forest-focused call from the environmental sector and from countries to reduce emissions from land use. Wetlands is very, very new to a lot of people, so that's why it suffers a bit from the Cinderella syndrome. It's significant, but not yet well-known enough so that countries would push for it very strongly themselves. But in the three years that we have lobbied for the issue, people have become increasingly aware of, of it. Uh, I've heard a lot of countries saying that the issue should be addressed. I think often the problem is that there's an assumption it will be addressed in one way or another. But like I just explained, the, the fact, for instance, that emissions from peatlands are ongoing and those from deforestation immediate, those kind of differences uh, are very important to specifically address in the text. And um, when you don't do that, it may be overlooked. So we have to speak more to countries about taking away those assumptions and ex uh, explicitly saying what the text, what it requires in the text to address it properly. Another challenge is that Indonesia will be clearer about their position and uh, that they get some international support. I think that may help a lot. Absolutely. Well, I have to say for my part, in the last couple of weeks, having gone from no awareness on this issue, as a result of the report, I've become both fascinated by it and actually very concerned by it. So just thank you for a very, very clear explanation of the, this globally important issue. Thank you. This has been the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Visit the Environmental Law and Climate Change Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexis.com forward slash communities. The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions.